from legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode or go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Coming up, what's behind the removal of the Riverheart Parkland sculpture? When did Christmas lights on the outside of houses become a thing? Memories of encounters with the late Bill Hayden and the resurgence of lappers in Ipswich Central. Walter Williams and Ashley Mack join the show for our regular yarn over the back fence. We also hear from Councillor Andrew Fechner about the sculpture and the council election next year. It's Tuesday, November 21, 2023, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. Ashley Mack was born in Ipswich and growing up in Evervale didn't affect him very much at all. He was the first voice on QFM in 1990 and is still a media tart. He also owns a great small business in St Andrews serving coffee. Welcome, Ash. Mate, great to be here. Walter Williams has called Ipswich home for 32 years and you'll know his voice on many TV and radio ads. Hear Walt everywhere. He was previously doing his own show on QFM, 4BH Star, River and 4BC. Welcome, Walter. Thank you very much, mate. And the first breakfast announcer on QFM. What you're telling me is Ash gave you a job. Uh, no, Ash well, was sort of. No, yeah, I was a PD, but the uh, the general manager uh, fell in love with your voice, and he said, "You got to hire this bloke." So it sounds all right to me. So it was okay. It was a committee decision, but that's a good decision it after was. all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least we didn't build a camel out of a committee that was meant to build a horse. No, that's right. <laughs> Let's get into this month's topics, and we're kicking it off with the Riverheart Parklands sculpture. Well, you've seen on social media that people are claiming it's going to be moved to Springfield. Well, we did see that. It was on um, one of the uh, the pages that's that's supporting the uh, park resurrection of our Riverheart Parklands. Um, but apparently that's been found out to be not entirely true at this stage. What we can tell you is that one of Vips, which is most well-known pieces of public art, down on the banks of the Bremer, in the Riverheart Parklands, is being relocated. They're, they're claiming, a council, that it was affected by the 2022 floods. It was pretty much untouched. It has been affected by thievery, that's for sure. Uh, at least one of the bronze children in that looking back to a childhood was missing prior to the floods. I can tell you that much for a fact. Okay, well, I caught up with Andrew Fechner, who's the chair of the relevant committee and a local one of the local councillors in the Ipswich Central area. I said to him the removal of the sculpture from Riverheart Parklands has some people concerned and asked what prompted the removal after about two decades at this location. I don't know if it's exactly two decades, it's around about that. So Dr Hingwood's um, sculptures first appeared and um, I like to kind of give people the context because I wasn't really aware of it in the first instance. But in the mid-90s, council actually commissioned um, Real Hinwood um, to uh, produce this sculpture and it once sat in Darcy Doyle Place. Um, and it sat there from about the mid-90s until about 2007. Um, and it was controversially moved at the time down to Riverheart Parklands. Um, so since then, it's it's obviously suffered um, through many, many floods. Um, so we've had to 
uh, remove it um, in order to save the sculpture. Uh, we've lost one of the pieces of the sculpture, which was one of the children um, in the piece of work. Um, so, so we've uh, taken. Does that mean one piece is washed downstream somewhere? That, that's what that's what we believe has mm. happened. Um, we um, the gallery actually got in contact um, with Dr. Hinwood um, a couple of weeks ago, um, just to let her know what had been happening with the sculpture out of respect uh, for her work, um, and uh, she was very surprised to hear that that actually survived um, in such a capacity all those years, um, considering the amount of flood. Um, damage that has been occurring down in River Heart Parklands, um, particularly post-2011. Now, since Council has moved them for safety and to preserve them, rumours have been circulating, mainly on good old social media, uh, that the sculptor was about to go to Springfield. Surely that's not true. Yeah, I believe the confusion arose on that because it was shared on a Facebook page associated with Springfield Lakes News. Um, so the cl- so so the grab for the article was regarding the removal from River Heart Parklands, and people have associated that with the Springfield Lakes News and conflated the two to make an assumption that they were actually moving down there. Um, <laughs> But, but that, that's, not, that's not the case and that's not true. I mean, they've got a long-standing um, history here in Ipswich, Ipswich Central, I mean, from Darcy Doyle Place down mm. to River Hut Parklands. Um, they will remain um, in, the, in Ipswich Central um, in one form or another. So we're still to decide on when that, when that might be. We've, we've had to put them into storage right now so that a conservator can look at them um, to make a determination. Um, whether it needs to, whether they need a little bit of fixing up before we send them back out into the wild. Andrew, has there been any thought given to putting them on higher ground, maybe at the top of the walkways there? Is that feasible? Yeah, there's absolutely. We we can't afford to put them back into such a precarious position down there lower below the floodwaters. So um, yeah, on the cards, definitely similar location um, and on higher ground where they won't be impacted by a flood event or natural disaster. Do you have a personal preference where they might go? Yeah, I'd like to see them returned down to the River Heart Parklands. All right, Andrew, we're doing this uh, interview ahead of recording this month's Over the Back Fence with Walt and Ash, and I do have a question mailed in from Walt. He would like me to ask you, how can a city like Bundaberg recover from floods so much quicker than a city the size and financial strength of Ipswich? I don't know what Walter means by a city like Bundaberg, um, (laughs) but um, thinking about the size and the scale, I guess, um, it's important to um, you know think about how we recover from natural disasters. We had lots and lots of um, flood impacted um, damage, and not not just you know specifically at River Heart Parklands, but more broadly across the local government area. Um, there's maps. There's a city. Um, map online that you can see where all of these individual projects are. So all of the projects had to be prioritised. So it's not that, um, I get, and I guess I don't, I can't speak for what Bundaberg has done and what they, what losses they've experienced in their community, but we had significant damage um, across the city more broadly. So it's just a prioritisation. If you look at this one project in isolation, yes, it's been a long time. Yes, the flood happened in 2022 and the damage was done then and we're still not 
back online yet. However, we have been making significant headway on some of those other priorities that we've had. There's been you know, a significant amount of other parks across the local government area. You think about places like North Baval down in Bundamba that were hit. Um, so I guess, yes, although we're taking our time in that isolated view, it's easy to say, well, you know, get off your backside and do something, but we have been making significant progress. And I think it's also important to um, think about the workforce that's available to us. Um, some to, you know, uh, I guess in 2011, um, you know, the flood event in southeast Queensland um, was isolated to southeast Queensland. And you think about the workforce that was able to come across the border from northern New South Wales, and we were using a lot of contingent labour from down south, and they were able to come up um, and do the work for us. But in the 2022 event, we saw significant flooding in New South Wales as well. So, um, you know, it's just a capacity issue in the market. I mean, we are trying our best to get it all done, but uh, when there's only so many contractors available to do the work, um, then it's going to be slow goings as well. So maybe they're, maybe they're in a position where they're not impacted by you know, that workforce, um, you know, or, or the lack of the workforce in the market right now as well. I guess one of the most loved features of uh, the first part of River Heart there in the city centre has been the walkways and the boardwalks out over the water. Is there any more news or is there an update that councillors have been given? Are they going to be saved or any, what's the future for them? Uh, we still haven't been given a final determination on uh, which of those overwater assets that we will keep. Um, there's um, a view to try and save as much as we can as possible, um, but really think about you know what we what we decide on rebuilding there. If the, if the assets need to be demolished, what's the point of building them again if they're just going to be flood impacted and you know pose significant financial impost you know on on future councils as well. So uh, we really need to scrutinise the asset um, reports to understand you know are is it cheaper for us to fix them in situ and bring them back online again or for the long-term financial sustainability of the assets should we remove a couple of them um, in order to save money in the long term so they're, they're the sorts of thoughts that we're having right now around that and finally andrew while i've got you uh, the talk is in the air for the local government election in march next year are you able to reveal yet your intention next march Yes, I'm absolutely an announced candidate for next March's election. We'll look forward to hearing more from you between now and then, and uh, all the best. Thanks for speaking with Ipswich today. Thanks, Alan. Always a pleasure, mate. There it is, Walt Nash, the very latest update. Now, you said before we played that interview that one piece was missing and it wasn't flood-related. Yeah, there, it's been missing prior to the flood, that's for sure. Okay. Uh, I... It's one of those things I keep a check on because at the time you also had the plaque there, but they've removed the plaque as well now. Uh, and it outlined how many characters were meant to be there in the brass statue system. Right. Anyway, thank you to <laughs> Councillor Andrew Fechner for that. But uh, it seems that they've prioritised the Bundamba parkland that he was talking about, the one near the um, TAFE College over the others. And it's not really a high priority as I would imagine River Heart Parkland and Colleges Crossing are to people. Mm -hmm. But that's that's the prioritisation they've decided to take and that's the action they'll have to face in March next year. Let's move on to Christmas lights. I'm trying to establish when decorating your house became a thing. When I was a kid, I don't recall anybody decorating their house. It was literally just a Christmas tree inside. When did it become a thing, Ash? Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase, is he to blame? <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, that, what was that stupid movie, Christmas Vacation, where he lit up the top of his house and he had to change the box? It seems like it's gone stupid since then, right? Because you, occasionally people would put a wreath on the front door and maybe there'd be a bit, a couple of lights. But then Bunnings came along, gave us all these stupid lights to put up, and then, I'm, as you can probably tell, I'm not a house decorator. No. I'm like uh, humbug. Well, the bloke across the, the bloke across the road from me, yeah, the bloke across the road from me is the general manager of an LED company. And you should see his place when it lights up. <laughs> so what you're saying, Ash, is you don't need to turn any lights on when he's got his Christmas to. lights on. Mate, I, my power bill goes down. I, I can read at night time without having to turn a light on. It's wonderful. You should just put up a whole bunch of mirrors at the front of your place just to exactly. reflect it right back at him. Exactly. I oh, know he's a lovely guy. You know, oh, yeah, and he, yeah. Like the the uh, the number of lights, we take the kids out and see. Look, our neighbourhood's fantastic. The yeah. black cross the road does all the work for us. You know, it's wonderful. People <laughs> seem to get a lot of satisfaction out of doing it, but I just could, I just can't stop thinking of the cost. I know exactly. they I know they're solar and LED and power efficient, but boy oh boy, some people must be spending thousands on their house. Oh, I have another complaint be. about them though. I have a com- a, a legitimate complaint. Um, on one night last week, I had to go down to the north side of Brisbane to pick up something, and I, it, I was about half an hour early, and I was looking for a coffee shop, somewhere to have a coffee before, mm-hmm. right? But I was in the middle of the suburbs, and I thought, oh, lights, that'd be a, a little shopping centre. I went up there, no, somebody lit up their house. Oh, lights <laughs> over there. Went over, no, somebody lit up. I couldn't find a shopping centre because all these bloody houses were lit up like shopping centres. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were going to throw in two cents there about the lights. Oh, look, I love it. I love it. And the Christmas lights competition is up and running, isn't it, in Ipswich at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we, we always map out in our... Um, GPS where we're going to go and visit every year. So we love it all, so long as it's not us actually making the effort <laughs> to put up the lights ourselves. We've we've kind of passed on that because storage <laughs> is an issue. Where do you store this stuff? Oh yes. Once you when it's not Christmas, you've got what one month of the year you can have it displayed. Mm. Uh, and that's another oh. question. What's a good? T- what is the date to put your Christmas tree and your Christmas lights up internally? Shouldn't it's, be before the first of December. Exactly. No, the fir- yeah. first is the day. And you were saying, Walter, about storage. I was talking to my son-in-law, who's, who's a carpenter, and he mm. was working on a guy's house, and the guy had built a cupboard, right, specifically so he didn't have to take down the Christmas tree. What he would do, it was on mm. wheels, and he oh. would wheel it into the cupboard and close it, and it only gets open one month a year. Clever. How cool is it? The guy's... I think the guy's got too much bloody money, actually. And, and uh, time, and time. Mark that. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, talking of trees, fresh or artificial? Mm. What? What's the geo? Mm. Council mm. is pushing some uh, Christmas trees that can be uh, purchased this year, but uh, I thought the push was to go to artificial. Last time I got a tree from council, it turned out it was officially a weed. So um, I, th- I think I'll be avoiding their advice on trees. Was it, a, was it officially s- a weed or officially weed? <laughs> what, no, not not weed, a weed. I, I got a tree for each to represent each of my children, and it turns out yeah. both of these damn trees are weeds and obnoxious and should be destroyed. Oh, no. One of which has already been cut down by the city staff some years ago. Um, but... Uh, uh, as for trees, we go artificial, less messy, 
it's there every year. I think that's got to be better for the environment. Surely, if you've got a tree that can last, I don't know, say five to ten years, rather than chopping down renewable resources or whatever, um, stick with that, the artificial tree. I do have a tip for you if you do have a cat, and that is instead of putting the tree on the floor, what you do is you bolt it to the ceiling, and that way the cat can't get to the tree. And do what they normally do, smash the baubles and crap, you know? <laughs> yeah, break the Christmas oh, lights. we don't have a cat. Uh, one bulb's gone, they're all gone. Uh, or or have those yeah. days passed us now? I think it still happens. Oh, yeah, it's, it's all LED. You're <laughs> yeah. laughing now. Okay, no, no problem. Let's go from Christmas to something a little more serious. In the council chamber, that split decision a couple of weeks ago on the controversial astral court development with four councillors abstaining on the vote. That was councillors Madsen, Jonick, Ireland and Tully. Had you been uh, following this one at Flinders View, Walt? No, I hadn't been following this until you mentioned it. It's going to be at the back or at the side of Winston Glade Shopping Centre, which was originally going to be extended. But as mm. I have it, the shopping centre owner decided, no, they won't extend it. They'll sell the land for something else, which has led to this proposal, 140 units uh, which has now been approved by council on very, very strong advice from council's planning officers and council's own independent decision review panel, which was held uh, a few weeks earlier. I'm just wondering why these four councillors abstained from voting. The only thing I can put it down to is there's an election looming and they can say to their local constituents, I didn't vote for it. What do you think? Exactly. I think there's something in that. So is it really just a NIMBY thing? It's just a NIMBY thing, not in my backyard. Is it um, well, the some people, social housing in there or something? Well, no, no, no. I don't think there will be any social housing in it. Uh, I think it really is uh, people are used to seeing a lot of bush there and some regrowth. People put up some very uh, convincing arguments about the environment, but we need more houses. And I'm sure where these well, people, I'm sure where these people are living, there were trees or bush there before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I'd, and any if a politician abstains, it's usually because they don't want to make a hard decision. That's usually. The mm. Let's talk sport. The 2023 Ipswich Sports Awards. Last month we talked about nominations, but now we know the winners. Not a bad lineup, yes. Walt. And congratulations. It's a terrific lineup of uh, 2023 winners in the uh, Sport Award categories, all eight of them. Coach of the Year, Nicholas Such for Wheelchair Basketball. Volunteer of the Year, Pauline Alchin Hockey. Uh, team of the Year, the Under-14 Boys in the Ipswich Force Basketball Team. Official of the Year, Steve Rogers for Hockey. Sporting Organisation of the Year went to Ipswich Grammar Swimming Club. Steve Graham and the Weightlifting picked up Masters Sports Person of the Year. And to the Juniors, it went to Ella Ramsey in swimming and the seniors, Isabella Parisi in equestrian. Terrific. Um, and it's great to see all those winners and everyone who entered. Let's face it, you're all the winner just for being nominated. Ash. It's all. It's always good to, to see these names read out or whatever. And it would be great to go back in 20, 25 years because I guarantee you the people who are in that list will mm. be our community leaders in mm. 25 years' time. They, it always works out that way. If you go back and look at the, the, the sports people of Ipswich from 50 years ago, they'd all be people who are in some sort of leadership position now. Yeah, and no, I think That's you're right, right there. Yeah. The city said a uh, sad farewell to Bill Hayden uh, with the state funeral held at St Mary's. Did you ever meet Bill, Ash? 
Yeah, Mud, actually, there's some photographs. On, we were talking before at the start about Walter and myself at River. There's actually photographs, I think, of Walter, myself, and Bill That's on right. the opening day because he was there. He yes. was part of the, the opening crew. And uh, it's such a nice man. And what a great legacy. He's the guy who really put together and, and led the put together of Medibank. Right in Australia. That's and exactly that's, that's right. Like the hell of a legacy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, I have a story that I'm going to share with you two now that relates to the original establishment of Medibank, which became Medicare. Mm. I took a brief sojourn from radio in the second quarter of 1975, and Medibank was starting officially on the 1st of July. So I mm. moved back home uh, to Petrie, tail between my legs for a short period of time, and I actually scored a job as an admin officer at the original Medibank where they would have them in shopping centres. In fact, I was working mm. at Chermside and it was inside Myers and people would come in with their doctor's bills and we would have to hand them over cash. No computers. Wow. And we did the oh, training. Wow. We, did the, we did the training on the first level of Lupton Shopping Village and I remember Bill Hayden oh. came around to visit the staff while we were doing the training. What a he was such a nice guy, wasn't he? He was <laughs> such just, a good memory. He was, and, a, and a great he legacy. Was such, yeah, yeah. And he was such a, a just a gentle, nice human being. And yeah. what was his classic line about with uh, with uh, with Bob Hawke and that that election? The blind dog with a note in its mouth could have led Labor to, to win that election. He was right, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I I don't think Bill and Bob saw eye right to eye on a lot of things. Uh, uh, made a good team though. Yeah. Rest in peace, Bill, and uh, condolences uh, to his family. Let's finish off this month's over the back fence with a bit of reminiscing because we love to reminisce. And the Lappers are back big time, Walt. You've been enjoying that. They are, yes. For Halloween and in the last weekend of October, we had a terrific uh, lapse in Ipswich and people were coming out in droves for this and they were so prepared for it that they, they'd set up camp at the uh, at the end of town there and they'd had their chairs and tables and eskies. It was really organised. And then a lot of the businesses were smart enough to stay open as well and uh, and feed feed people, feed the, the, the man Hungry masses, because yes. <laughs> yeah, and it was really good. It was just had a really good atmosphere. Um, and I took uh, Henry uh, uptown that night because it was Halloween. So my little uh, multi Shih Tzu was uh, dressed up like Chucky, uh, <laughs> wielding a knife <laughs> as he walked around the place. <laughs> I took the granddaughter in for the Halloween too, and it was it was a great night that night. And this, there were yeah. some cars lined up down the centre of the uh, of the mall, plus the ones doing the laps. And I remember doing those laps back in 1975, I think it was, in a blue e, uh, sky blue EH with Trans Am drag mags on it, uh, spewing smoke because the motor wasn't much chop. Oh, right, no. been doing the laps and having yeah, that was my old uh, stamping ground. You'd go and try and pick up a girl, and most of them girls thought we were idiots, though. So <laughs> you what? You just turned seventeen when you were doing this? Yep, yeah. yep. Just wow. doing the doing the laps around town, trying to pick up chicks <laughs> hanging out the window. It was it, all, it was almost like that Newcastle song. Yes, yeah, <laughs> this, this thing will get bigger. It's going to get to the stage oh, where yeah. you know, it won't just be um, the the cars lapping. The, the next step would be to bring in in music, and especially there's a bit of a boom mm. going on with with the dancers. Uh, you know, the the rock and roll dancers and the rock and ro the old style rock and roll bands and that mm. sort of stuff. They could turn in one. one 
one big, you know, sort of festival every couple of months, really. Yeah, Nicholas Street to... Mall came alive that night, and it's only going to get bigger, as you say. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, it's good to see. It's good to see, and it's good, healthy family fun, as long as everyone sticks to the speed limit and no one gets hurt. Bigger than better her. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll wrap it up for uh, this month's Over the Back Fence. Thanks again for the chat. And we've got time for one more. We'll sneak one more in before Christmas. Are you right with that? I'm Oh, yeah. All right. We're up for it. See you in December. Cheers, boys. That's it for this episode. Just a reminder to look for handy links in the show notes. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics. People-powered web hosting, trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio, or play Ipswich Today on smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.